This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. It's Tuesday night at half past six. It can mean only one thing. You're listening to the Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. I'm your host, Nick Peter. I'm glad to say, before I announce our guest, actually, what another week it's been for Fight Sports on Merseyside. Got all that UFC Liverpool stuff going on, but it's more title fights being announced left, right, and centre. Rocky Fielding looks like he's got his world title fight with Gil, uh, Gilberto Ramirez. That's coming up in June. Uh, Paul Butler's world title fight with Emmanuel Rodriguez for the IBF belt has gone out to pace bids. Hopefully, that's going to make it in time for the Bellu Hay undercard. And Callum Smith, George Groves, we're being told now it's either going to be the July 7th or July 14th. Manchester Arena, World Boxing Super Series final. Loads of stuff going on. Plus this coming weekend, of course, the big fella's back, the Grizzler. David Price gets the cash in, that lottery ticket, fingers crossed. Let's hope he can cash it in. And the main man who's in the studio with me tonight, I'm sure we can talk much more about that later on. But join me in a Coach extraordinaire, the one and only <laughs> TC, Tony Chalner. Welcome to the studio. Oh, thanks for having me, Nick. No problem, my mate. No problem. And uh, obviously, long-time coach of the Solly. Yes. Not been at the Solly last couple of years because you've got mm. something else going on, which is yeah. why you join us in the studio now. Yeah. Uh, I seen you up in Bolton just a few weeks ago. I went Correct, up there to yeah. see the Smiths. Yeah. You were running the college course there. Tell us all about it. What's the course? What's it all about? And who can join? Yeah, it's a course that's run by the national governing body of the sport, which is England Boxing. It comes under the heading of the Advanced Apprenticeships in Sport and Excellence, ACE for short. That will soon be changing in September for the new cohort, called DISE, which is the Diploma in Sport and Excellence. It's a course that's over two years for talented athletes and for athletes who are just entering the sport. Um, as long as they are registered with England Boxing, they come out of school with a, a grade four GCSEs in English and Maths, they can access the course. Wow. Criteria they need. So it's just, is it just in Bolton where the course is done? No, we also have like a satellite club which is in, in the Salisbury Amateur Boxing Club and that's run of Tuesday and Thursday evenings from 6pm to 8pm where they do the same qualification. It just allows uh, the athletes attending that venue the chance to go and go to college to do study maybe their A-levels or engineering or hairdressing, whatever. Yeah. But on the course that we're running up, uh, specifically up in Bolton, they're doing their technical qualification in sport and uh, science. Oh, right, okay. So when they come out of the course two years in, obviously, I, I guess every kid who signs up for it at 16 is chasing the dream of, of boxing in the Olympics, oh, that's it. becoming yeah. pros. That's but, correct. But yeah. after two years, they leave with a qualification. What's the qualification actually called? The qualification is um, excellence in sport and the knowledge uh, part of it, which is sport and excellence. They also come out with their BTEC qualification in sports science, which gives them the UCAS points to go further. So they, they their exit route could be into university from this course. Ultimately, if they're a, a real good athlete who's progressing all the time, it, it's boxing at the high level as, as, as an amateur with Team GB. Yeah. And of course, we've had uh, individuals who've gone on to become pros and, and, and to become, you know, who are now actually carving their way through the sport. Um, nationally then, is it just those two centres? Is there anywhere else in the UK that people can do the course? There are about seven centres throughout the UK, Nick. We have one up in Gateshead. We have, obviously, Bolton. We have one in Liverpool. We have one in Birmingham, mm -hmm. one in Brighton, one in London, and one in Bristol. So wow. that's, yeah. 
seven seven senses what's the uh, subscription like each year how many boxes do you take on do you call them boxes do you call them students oh no we call them athletes athletes okay. although the the colleges they call them learners and students um skills active allow us to recruit 100 uh, athletes each year in boxing and we we meet that every year so numbers can be capped in each, in each college depending on the demand Bolton is very popular and we cap it somewhere around about the, the 15 figure per year. Yeah. Obviously we get a few who drop out. It's it's not for everyone, but then we may be on a late on a on a, a different basis. If there's positions available, then we'll take other students on board. Obviously, with it being being run by England Boxing, it's obviously a bit of a feeder system for the national team, for the national setup. Yes, it's. Do you, a, get, do you get boxers pushed in your direction? Are they told to go on the course? Yeah, in some are, yeah they are, and in quite a lot of instances, it's it, it's it's pushed that way because in life, not everyone is going to come out of school and go onto a college course that they're really going to be happy with. So we get a lot of athletes who come onto this this course who are not happy doing the, the geography, the history, the further English and maths. They want to do boxing. That's that's the uh, the carrot that's dangled for them to, to to get onto this course. That they continue with those studies and they continue with that training on a practical side. So in terms of in Bolton, then Bolton's like the the, the HQ for it, the nerve centre mm-hmm. really for the rest of the country. What does a, an average day for the students? What's it what's it consist of? An average day, they have contact time with me four days a week from nine a.m. to twelve p.m. Okay, so what's that mean? Contact time. That's contact time with me as a coach. They get one-on-one coaching um, and also group coaching. Uh, on one day, we will specifically work on our strength and conditioning. The next day will be technical and tactical skills in boxing. Okay. Another day now, will is be... Is that practical? Is that physical? That's practical, yeah, yeah, yeah. physical, yeah. Okay. They still have to bring all the protective equipment because there is sparring. Although it's not open sparring, it's technical and conditioning sparring, yeah. which is more beneficial to gain, to gain in their, them skills. Um, and then we also put a good running program in for them once a week. So, and the, the the gym that we're actually based in up in Bolton from the college is Amir Khan's uh, gym up in um, in Bolton, um, and it's Joe Gallagher's stable there. So we share the same premises with Joe. Wow! And our boxers, you know, the the, the professional boxers there are absolutely brilliant with our with our students. Um, they accommodate them. They speak to them. They advise them. It's a fantastic setup. It's a fantastic environment for any aspiring amateur to be. Absolutely, talk about a world class yeah. stable. Mm-hmm. When when there's students in there aspiring to one day become professional boxers, and you've got the likes of the Smith brothers and Crawler oh, and fantastic. all them kind of yeah. cats walking past, it's it must be inspirational for them. It is, and the the, the boxers they, themselves, uh, the amateur boxers, they look up to these professionals, and when they actually meet them, they just find that they're just ordinary down-to-earth individuals and in fact on Thursday just gone uh, Tasha Jonas was sparring some of our lads Paul Butler Amazing. and a couple of pros who Joe Gallagher brought up from uh, London I can't think of them one was Boy Jones Jr mm-hmm. I forget the, the other guy's name how, how, how sad is that <laughs> <laughs> but it was great a great, great, great environment um, lots of opportunities and, and Joe Gallagher he's He's on board. A lot of people don't see the other side of Joe Gallagher of what he does and what he gives back to the amateur side of it. He's always, me and him, we're always in conversation about what's happening in the region, what's happening nationally in the amateurs. So he's still got his his finger on the pulse, not just with the pros, but 
also with the amateur boxing as well. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. He helps out a lot with, 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 the, with the amateurs if he can. Wow. The time. So, the, so 9 till 12, Monday to Friday? No, Con- Monday to Thursday Monday because, to th- yeah, okay. unlike the other students, because in boxing uh, they recognise that the competition is Friday, Saturday and Sunday, there is that time. So everything, it's a full day from 9 till 4.30. So they have a full-on day. Are uh, between the gym and college, and they get the Friday. Obviously, because if there's any competition, we don't like to interfere with that. Right. You okay. Know. So they they finish at twelve with you. Yes. They go and have the lunch, and then they're in the classrooms. Then they're in the classrooms studying their BTEX. Yeah. Is that and that's all on site at Bolton, isn't it? It's all in the same place. It's well, um, the gym is just off site. It's about fifteen minutes walk from the college itself, right. and then they make their way to the college where they're in a, in a fantastic environment, a What's modern facility. In terms of succession, then you know you, you mentioned it before. You've had a few lads come through the college. You have turned pro now, or on yeah. England duty, or whatever. Any any names that listeners might be familiar with? Yes, you'll have Marcel Braithwaite. He spent two years with us on the course. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jonathan Walsh, an up and coming amateur who's now at Tower Hill. Yeah. Bradley Strand, who's at Everton Red Triangle. He was there for two years. Lesser names, the likes of Jake Kotsopoulos from the higher side, Jim. Luke Wilkinson, who's at Tower Hill. Josh Ward, who's at the higher side gym. So you've had quite a lot of Liverpool lads already go yeah. to Bolton? over over the, the time we've been up in Bolton, yeah. They've made that arduous trek by train up up, up to Bolton early in the morning and coming home late. And, you know, it, we've had the support of their club coaches as well. Because if they've been late or they've been missing a session, they know that they're not totally missing nothing because... Everything's all, all taken care of at the college as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of yourself, then you went over there. Was it did you say six years ago? You went up to you went up to Bolton. Oh, in twenty eleven. Yeah, I, I was there. So this seven, seven years. years. I'm going. Yeah, I'll be going into my eighth year in August. Yeah, this year. that's. Um, but obviously, you got into coaching. Well, you mentioned it before, about thirty years in in coaching this year. Yes, a thirty year anniversary wow. at uh, the Salisbury Amateur Boxing Club. So yeah. what what what. Force the move. What you know, you you had so much success at the Solium. We'll come on to that later in the show. Yeah. Some of the lads that that you obviously worked with. What what yeah. made you make that change to go? You know what? I'm going to walk away from a, a club environment, an environment where I'm producing international medalists and, and yeah. so many ABA champions, and go and do something on a bit more of a broader spectrum. Yeah, I just got to a point where to, to get to that point, there's no such like. I, it really annoys me or it doesn't really annoy me but when people say oh there's an overnight success you know you look at these people anyone who's classed as an overnight success they'll just tell you there's no such a thing it, it, it doesn't happen yeah tip of the iceberg there's about there was like 15 years of coaching that I'm, I'm bringing those lads through and, and, and you know nurturing that, that that pathway to get them from schoolboy junior up into the senior ranks where you really want to see them fulfil the, the, the potential. And that takes quite a, a long time. And the last big name, I could say that, a coach at the time was David Price, who, who, who represented the country in you know, 2008 at Beijing. And I thought, well, I've done quite a bit of work with David. I've done work and I've, I've come from grassroots. I haven't just come in here and, I, and I've just put like you know the cherry on top of the cake. There's been a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. And I looked at it at the time and I, and I thought to myself, well, the club is going through a transition period anyway because of all the success we had with the seniors, all turning pro and then going off and doing other stuff in the lives, yeah. getting on with the lives, I suppose. Yeah. 
I just thought, you know, for me to to to, to get that sort of um, success back again, it would have meant going all the way back to grassroots, and I just didn't have the appetite for it at the time. I thought I need to, to spend some time on myself, and my own family, and, yeah. and and do other other stuff in my life, you know. And I mean, at the time, I was self-employed. That allowed me the time to to devote to to, to amateur boxing, but at the same time. Um, I just wanted to do just a little bit more and, and, and just, you know, take time out to, to do some of the finer things in life. Like, one of my passions is to go hiking. I love the, the Lake District, the Welsh Hills. I love all that. I also like doing what I'm doing. You know, I like my own training. Yeah. You know, and keep fit and stuff like that. So it was a chance, you know, to, to, to get back to something that I wanted to do that wasn't sport-related. Um, and... Through coaching, although it's, it's, it's great, it, it, I, I would anyone who's getting involved in it, it's fantastic, but it takes over your life. It doesn't have to with some people, but you see a lot of coaches, it does, it, it becomes, it's not a hobby, it's it's a way of life. Yeah. You know, sometimes it, it becomes like a pressure cooker and it's good to just, you know, I need time away from this. Yeah. Obviously producing that many ABA champions as you yeah. did and Olympic medalists. Mm-hmm. There's always a there's always a negative to that, and I guess that was your family for the time. They, yeah, they suffered because of it. They did. I mean, me 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 me, me wife Pat, and she's a fantastic supporter of me. She, she in fact she encouraged me to go into coaching. Um, I was never so sure about it. Um, this was after your own boxing career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, f- I finished boxing in, in '88 and um, had a little bit of time out. It was Alan Lynch who said, "Look, look, Tony, you've got you got your house on board now. Just take time out." You, you, this is not a sport where you can just come in once a week, twice a week, and think, "Oh yeah, I'll be boxing the weekend." It, yeah, it doesn't work like that. You know, that that's when it becomes the hair game. Never ever wanted it to be like that. Took a bit of time out, and then one of our boxers who we worked with, you know, said, "We've got new premises, you know, in Salt over the road from the, um, the, the 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 metal building. Come down and have a look and get back involved." And I thought. All right, I put a bit of weight on, like, and I went back to sort. You know, I'll I'll give it another go. I'll give it another go, and I'd I, I'd box that round about light middle and maybe welterweight, and I'd come back. I was like light heavyweight, and I'm, I'm, I'm in the spar, and you know, I I never thought that I'd I'd feel it. You know, the punches are the weight difference, but yeah, I could honestly feel it. But you know, like a fool, I thought to myself, you know, well, I'll get conditioned to this, like like every boxer does. You know, I'll get yeah, used yeah. to this. I'll get my weight down. But my weight wasn't going down because just just being married, just newly married, and Pat was a great cook, and, and you know she wasn't just cooking for me and her. She's cooking like you know there was extra food on that on the place, and you know, from a background I come from, yeah. you don't waste food. Well, that's you know, it. That, as a relatively new you know, dad, so I, I can relate to that. Weight. I relate to that because that's my job at home now. It's just clearing yeah. my plates and the kids' yeah. plates as well. That's that's a role of a dad. Yeah, and then it's after a few weeks. I mean, it was Alan Lynch and Franny Schmidt. He said to me. Have you thought about coaching? And I just went, oh, I said, I said, oh, is that it? That that's my boxing career over. And, and, and Alan Lynch said, no, no, not by. He said, if you want to box, box. He said, but look, Tony, you know, you've got about two stone and weight here. You know, and I said, you look so small, sparring these these big guys. Um, but just give it a thought. You know, I, I went home with a you know flame here that night, and I was like, really, oh, I didn't know what to do. I'd never certainly. Until that moment, you'd actually never considered No, I coaching. never considered it. And when I was speaking to Pat, she said, well, why don't you give it a go? She said, I don't like seeing you get... She didn't like me boxing anyway. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I said, do you know what? I'll give it a go. 
and I can honestly say, uh, Nick, um, if I hadn't done it, you know, who knows where it'd have been. But actually getting involved in coaching, I found something in my life that I was good at, and you know, to a point where it wasn't just about coaching boxing. I was in, interested in in another coaching in other sports and how I could bring that into boxing. Yeah. So I went re- I went right into it. I really, and I've never had an ego as a coach. I've always been ambitious, and I've always said, well, there's a fine line between ego and ambition. And I've had other coaches in the past who say, oh, come on, Tony, you must have an ego. And I'm saying, no, because I can clearly define what ego is, and I'm not egoistic. I'm, I'm ambitious, I'm, I have high expectations of myself, but I have even higher expectations of the boxers who are coach. Yeah. So well, that, listen, was, the, that, that gave me something in my life. Yeah, absolutely, the proof was in the pudding. We'll come on to that in part mm-hmm. two of the show. Stick with us, you listen to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. I'm Nick Peace. I'm in studio with Coach Superb, <laughs> Mr Tony Chalmer. You too, can. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. I'm still joined in the studio by the one and only Mr Tony Chaloner. Before I ask a little bit more about uh, uh, about your coaching and your ideals as, as a coach, Tony, mm. I, I forgot to mention it in part one. How do anyone that's listening or any listeners who've got kids who are about to finish uh, the GCSEs coming to the end of the school year, how do they apply to the course? Do they go on to England Boxing's website? How, do, how does it work? Right, okay. Um... We are currently recruiting up in Bolton College and we have an information evening um, in April. It's the 11th of April, uh, 7pm at the college. Uh, There's full details on the website, uh, England Boxing website. If you follow the links from education, that'll give you all the centres. And I could probably leave the name and address and postcode of the college where they need to attend. I know Salisbury Boxing Club have two information evenings. One is on uh, Thursday, the 29th of March. Okay. That's next week. Yeah. Or is it this week? Next week. And they have one on Thursday, the... I've just got the dates here, Nick. Thursday, the 29th. So one's this Thursday. Yeah, one's this Thursday. And the other one is, let me just see, is on Thursday, the 26th of April. Great, okay. So anyone anyone on Merseyside area who wants to know more about the course, whether it's for them specifically, the course is open to school leavers this year, or it might be for your son, your grandson, your nephew. That's a mad one, actually. Are, yeah. are girls allowed to join the course? You've got yes. how many girls on the course? Yeah, girls. So it's yeah. girls and boys. Yeah. So the only requirement is they've got to be coming out of school with level four GCSE. Did level you say four TC? or above. Level four or above GCSE, they've in got to be English finished school with, and they've got to be carded with England Boxing, so they've got to be a carded registered amateur. They don't have to be an ABA champion, they don't have to be an England international, they just have to be carded, that's all, and you can get on this course. It's a two-year course run by the main man himself. Just in terms of your coaching, yeah. Tony, then you, you explained in part one yeah. there how you got into coaching, very much yeah. encouraged by the wife and Alan Lynch. Who mm-hmm. coached you? When you were boxing, and, and, and do you take any of the stuff you learned then, mm. even today, into the coaching that you do today? No, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, when I got into boxing, it wasn't to become a champion, it wasn't to represent England. I just got in, involved in, in, in amateur boxing after I finished a little bit of the martial arts. I thought, you know what, I'm going to give it a little go. Uh, so I had no big aspirations of being a champion or, doing, or being a big mover in the sport. I just wanted to train to be amongst it and say, do you know what? I just want to give it a go. Yeah. Um, I had four amateur fights uh, from, I was 21, won two, lost two. Um, 
But I really enjoyed it. You know, it wasn't a case that I thought, I need to have this X amount of fights. I need to do this. It was not about that, I thought. And then once I got married and I thought, it was fitting it in, I just thought, I don't need it in my life anymore. Of course. Until I got involved in coaching, which is a totally different uh, aspect to it. I, I look at it, that I, I look at the box and I think, well, what, what do you need to, need as a boxer in, in, in coaching? You know, and, and that's what's important to me. All the aspects, it's, it, it, it's like a chain all linked together. Uh, from the technical skills, the tactical skills, the physical skills, and more importantly, the mental skills. Yeah, it's it, it's equipping the boxer, it's empowering that boxer to give him ownership of the sport. You know, I always felt like, you know, I, we as coaches, you know, we we should be coaching the these individuals, these athletes, that it's their sport. You know, it belongs to them. They should be independent of a coach. You know, we're equipping equipping them with the skills to get them through. The schoolboy, the junior, up to up to senior level, and that they're totally in charge of what they're doing. You know, not being you know not like robots. You need to do this or you need to do that. The boxer is, you know, I've got the experience to do this now. Yeah. I've practiced this. I'm going to put it to good use. And that's and there's you know, we've got some brilliant coaches in our region, probably in the country as well, who have that same philosophy. Yeah. What's the um. You know, what the, when you when you approach it as a coach, what are the ideal ingredients you want in a a fifteen year old, sixteen year old boy or girl? What do you when they walk in when the new semester comes in in September, for yeah. instance, in Bolton? What are you looking for most? Is it intelligence? Is it a listener? Is it tough enough? Is it is it a, a athletic ability? It. It's you've got to be able to listen. Yeah, you know, and you've got because once they're a good listener, they're a good communicator, and they are more coachable. Then you're not having to. You know, on the phone, where are you? You're not making. You don't want that. You know, you want someone who's driven, yeah. who, who's dedicated, who's got the discipline. You know, who, who can. You know, they're gonna. If you say, "Yeah, we need you to be here at a certain time," they're gonna be there. There's none of this prima donna syndrome in amateur boxing. There's yeah. I know it goes on, but we don't have it. Um, you look at an amateur boxer who, who's got them credentials; they will go far, and if they can match the dedication and the discipline of a good coach who has that in a bunt, that's where you can call it magic if you like. That's where the success is. Yeah. If one of those parties is not totally 100%, it's not going to happen. Yeah, they'll get to a certain level, but they're not going to go any further. Yeah. They've got to be prepared to, you know, it, it is a lifestyle and there are certain sacrifices that an athlete has to make. And if they're not prepared to do that, you know, if they're just prepared to, you know, they just want a bit of fun out the sport or just to do it, like what I done when I was involved, that's great. But if you've got aspirations to do something in the sport and to become a success and you want to go further, then you have to live the life. When when the when the new semester comes in in September, mm-hmm. I'm sure on day one, let's say you've got let's say you've got twenty kids, I'm sure on day one you think when you t- when you you've, you're doing the contact stuff, you think, yeah. wow, this kid's. Probably top of the class. Yeah, if I had to, top me, that kid's probably top of the class today. How often do you get to the end of the two years and that kid is no longer top of the class? It's someone who may have been kind of weak in the class as well. Yeah, I think I kind of get what you're saying. It's how you measure that success. I mean, you measure some individual success by the actual how far they've got in the sport. And it was like I was always I got I got that way where I remember having a conversation with Alan Lynch and he turned around and said, "Look, Tony, it's not all about champions, you know." Alan Lynch said that? Yeah. Really? He said that. He said, it's not all about champions. And I was like, I was looking at him as if, I beg your pardon. But that I, 
I'm always the type of coach that after I leave the gym, I reflect on what I've done. And I was, th- I was thinking about that going on. I thought, what does he mean? And I thought, oh, I'm just going to you know, dismiss it as like, you know, a stupid comment. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what he meant. So how you measure that success? It could be you're coaching that, that kid for his very first amateur fight. To that kid, that's his Olympics. Yeah, yeah. And if he's he's been in the gym and you've done your job well as a coach and you actually see him performing them skills in the ring, and there's no better feeling than it. And you think, well, I did not maybe won a title, but look where he's come in, in, in the in the few months that you've You've worked with that kid, yeah, with that I, individual, you know, and I truly believe bo- like boxing, college. martial arts, you mm. know, any any contact sports, just the nature of the sport as well. You know, yeah. the, fundamentally, it's about listening, it's about respect, it's about you know everything that's moral in in society. You know, I, I truly yeah. believe boxing should be taught in schools; it should be part of the curriculum. Yeah, I, I think it should do. It gives some people, uh, even if it's only to build the confidence up, they don't necessarily have to be full contact with it. You know, it, it can be diluted to a, to a point, and that's called, like, recreational boxing, which seems to be a big thing that's gone on for the last 20 years. But it's surprising how many kids will then say, take the next step and say, well, I've had to go with that at school. I'm going to get registered with it with a local club yeah, and take it further. So that's, you know, they, that's the... You know the positives that come from from just having it in school. I would I would imagine. Yeah. It's just it just doesn't happen because. I mean, you can't sugarcoat this sport as oh, it, it it's that good. You know, it's, it is a brutal and barbaric sport, in the wrong hands. Yeah. You know, but and you're never ever going to win an argument with anyone who says you know defend the sport as a safe sport. But then again, what sport is safe? The minute you increase your activity, you're increasing risk. Yeah. Boxing's no different. Absolutely. John you know. um, knows 30 years. You've yeah. you've had some talent come through your hands. Yes. Do you yeah. have a favourite? Oh, God. <laughs> Put you on the spot now. Um, favourite? Or, or, or maybe a, a favourite winner, you know, someone who won an ABA title or won a, a national title or an Olympic medal or something that you thought, you know what? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd have to go back to, 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 to the, the, the group that I coach and... You know, it'd be wrong of me if, if people who know me now, if I turn around and mentioned any other name than Derry Matthews, mm-hmm. they're going to say, "Ah, oh, come off it, Tony." Yeah, kid was glued to your side. He was, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You and you know, that's coaching someone who was, and he was a listener, and he was coachable. So if I turn and I said, "You'd need to do this," you know, the next question would be, "Why?" He'd not, well, why am I? D-? A reason why? And I'd, I'd explain why you need to do this, and then that 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 set that process season on season, and um, it got. I remember it got to a point where um, he came in one day and he said, hey, "I've got trials for Liverpool FC. What do you reckon I should do?" I said, "Are you stupid? You should go for these trials if you can make it as a footballer. Yeah, and you'll recognise you've got talents there. Go for it." And he went, "Yeah, okay, I'll do that." Anyway, he, he walked out. He walked out the club. And, you know, I thought, there's a talented boxer, but I wasn't going to hold anyone back. And I remember um, Franny Smith said to me, he said, um, after about a week or two, he went, is Terry Matthews? I said, oh, he's having trials with the Liverpool FC. And he went, is he coming back? I said, well, he's any good, no. And he went, you've just lost a good boxer there. I went, so what? You know, he's good. But anyway, I always remember a couple of days later, he walks back in the gym with his, uh, his Liverpool kit on, and I said... What are you doing back here? He went, 
can I have a go? Can I, can I start training? I went, well, you've just been with Liverpool FC. He went, no, he said, it's not working out. I went, what do you mean? He went, well, they've all got their favourites there. Maybe they didn't. Maybe I, I, I yeah, don't yeah. know. And I went, well, okay. I said, all right. Then. I said, well, not don't train tonight. I said, come back on Friday because it was the Wednesday. I said, come back on the Friday. I said, and we'll start up again. Yeah. And that was it. Never missed the session. Amazing. And just went on and on and on. When the ABA title when he was seventeen, though, didn't he? Is he seventeen? Yeah, yes, seventeen. He was eighteen in the year that he won them. Like, and um, but it was great. It was a great campaign because at the time when we were putting him, he was, you know, sad to say, but I, I stopped him going to England. <laughs> stopped him going on international duty. Yeah, he hated. He hated going down to Crystal Palace. Hated it, and. Um, he used to come up to me because he wouldn't get no um, sympathy off Franny Smith or yeah. Alan Lynch. He'd just come straight to me. He said, you know, he said, hey, do I have to keep going to these camps? Can I just go and box for them? I said, well, no. I said, I said you're an England boxer. I said, and he went, he said, he said, you know, I said, it's just too much time away. You know, and I could understand where he's coming from. Yeah. And then it was cases of it. I always remember um, phoning up the England office and saying, oh, we can't make it um, this weekend. He's it. He's hurt his leg or some daft excuses. Yeah, yeah. It's embarrassing, but I found it funny as well. <laughs> and I thought, well, I could force you to do it. Yeah. And then um, in the end, um, there was another another letter come through from to attend a camp for some some major tournaments. And I just said, listen, don't be wasting their time. Don't be wasting your time. You're not enjoying it. It's not the be all and end all. Just be happy with you know where you are. Yeah. So, do you think that ultimately is what led to him turning pro so so young then? Because he kind of shut the door himself on international. Um, no, um, he always wanted to go professional anyway, and um, I was out. There. I remember we, we 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 just bought a house up in Entry, and um, it needed doing up, and I just didn't have to. I had to stop going to the gym because you know. We couldn't wash properly. <laughs> you know, we were... <laughs> You're holding pads meanwhile the girls are using a bucket to get washed yeah, with. you know, and, and <laughs> when are you doing it? When's this getting done? When's that getting done? So it was causing a bit of, um, you, you know, unrest in the house. And I thought, I've got to get my priorities right. So I took time out. And, and I also took time at the time when Nathan Bruff was... Um, was going to the world Cha- world championships out in Cuba, and it was in his last final weeks. That I said, Nathan, I said, I just can't do it. I said, there's much, you know, we prepared him all that way, and I just pulled out. And, I, and it, as harsh as it sounds, I remember speaking to his dad, and his dad said, Oh, Tony, I said, No, I said, Look, I said, I've already spoken to Franny Smith. He's going to be taking him on board, mm-hmm. and he's got good sparring for him as well. So, you know, I said, I just need time out the gym. I said, I need to, need, I need to get my house livable. Yeah. And um, so that's what I've done. And uh, but Nathan went on to win a bronze medal at the junior, uh, the World Juniors out in Cuba. Fantastic. Yeah. And the longer I stayed away from from the club, I found it harder to get back. Yeah. And um, I, I think it was um, I got a phone call off Franny Smith, and he said, um, "Have you heard?" And I went, "Heard what?" And he went, "Terry Matthews has turned pro." And I said, "Oh, good for him." He went, "What do you mean, good for him?" I, there's a good boxer gone off the club. And I went, well, because I, I just didn't see it that way. I just yeah. don't know people back. That's what he wanted, you know, or what a boxer wants to do. I said, no, I said, he'd do well as a pro. He's only a kid. I said, he'll learn fast. He's a quick learner. <laughs> you know, and um, 
what a career he's gone on to have. Yeah, you know, it was fantastic. One, and of, the, he, he, one of the greatest careers yeah. Merseyside's ever seen. You he know, never ever forgot downs. me, the lad. You know, you know, God love him. Oh, he, he always had a ticket for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know? But even now, he's a coach. You know, and that kind of yeah. it sells itself on the back that you said he was a listener. He would always ask why, why are you doing this? And yeah, yeah. I was speaking to Derry quite recently. He was in that very chair, and he was saying yeah. he still takes stuff that you showed him in the gym. He takes stuff from when he's seen Jimmy Tibbs and when he was down here with him. It seems yeah. like his entire career, he was pulling bits of information. From yeah. top quality coaches all over the country, but, probably know, known full well he was going to be a coach himself. Yeah, but him, like all of them, Paul Edwards, Nathan Bruff, David Price, all these kids, they all had old heads on young shoulders. Yeah. You know, and when you were talking to them, you weren't really talking to kids. These are buy and sell you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you, had to, you had to be one step ahead of them. Absolutely. You talked yeah. about David Price there. Well, a couple to David yeah. Price in part three, obviously. Saturday night. Big price he is back. He gets the lottery. He's got the lottery ticket in his hand, actually. He's going down to Cardiff this week with the lottery ticket. I'm going to ask TC about Big Pricey's career in pro boxing so far. When you come back, stick with us. You listen to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. Now I've got coach extraordinaire Tony Chandler still in studio with me. Obviously one of his most famous uh, boxers that came through his hands, former Olympic medalist, uh, multiple ABA champion. Mr. David Price is back this Saturday night. It's chief support to Anthony Joshua versus Joseph Parker down in Cardiff. And it's Price's lottery ticket. He's told us all about it. He was on this very show telling us that he knows that Alexander Povetkin has chosen him. He's chosen David Price to look good, to look spectacular, to secure himself a fight with Anthony Joshua as he's the WBA number one contender. And also on the line this weekend is the WBO international belt. Povetkin has picked Price to look good to fight Joshua. The flip side of that is, if Big Pricey can land that punch, can get the win, can beat Povetkin, who, by the way, is a multiple drug cheat. So there's kind of like a little bit of poetry there because Pricey's pro career so far has been, he's suffered at the hands of many a drug cheat anyway. Now he's fighting the ultimate drug cheat to, to you know, get salvation and to get, let's face it, the lottery ticket fight against Anthony Joshua and... Uh, before I ask you about this fight this weekend, TC, I just want to ask you about mm-hmm. Pricey's pro career, his pro journey. You know, is, will he look back now and would he, would he think it's, it would be a failure not to get in the mix? Because heavyweight boxing is in this country right now. It's about the UK. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of money sloshing about, an awful lot of money, and Pricey hasn't had his hand in any of it. Yes, he's a former British Commonwealth yeah. champion. Yes, he's had big wins over the likes of Fraudley Harrison and people like that. But in this generation... When Anthony Joshua holds all the aces and these multi-millions of pounds, Pricey, if he doesn't get a taste of that, he'll always look back on his career, surely, and kick himself. Yeah, especially when you look at the current crop of heavyweights. I mean, from heavyweights that I've seen in the past, down the years, it just doesn't compare. I'm afraid it doesn't. And I'm afraid David Price has been at the hands of a few drug cheats, as we've just mentioned. I mean, how did this lovely sport just descend into, into into that in the first place and yeah here we are he, he, he's going to be boxing another one yeah Pavekin's failed three tests and yes. he's still ranked yes, yes. number one contender by the WBA yeah shocking and really David Price has got he should hold all the aces in terms of technical and tactical ability against this boxer if he if he, if he put not so much puts it on the line but puts it together on the night yeah he's got the tools to do the job he doesn't have to go looking for this guy. That guy's just going to be there for him. But David, he's got, he's got, he should wear to his strengths. He's got good range of shots, you know, and he should make full use of them. Get behind his jab, 
bring the power shot in and just stick with it. Yeah. You know, with the, with the fight this weekend, would you be looking? You know, if you were advising David Price for this fight, would you be looking to get Povetkin into the later rounds, whatever? Or with Price, is it because he hits so hard? Should he just be pouncing on people? He should be looking to get in there, not being haphazard and, and, and like you know, throwing caution to the wind. But he should be. He should be. A, he should be dominant and he should be positive. Get behind that jab, and he's got a solid jab. He could take people out with that jab. But then bringing that backhand in, he's got to be more aggressive. Yeah. That's the key to it. He's got to be aggressive and he's just got to even be rough rough this guy up. He'd become a bully somehow, you know, and, and just take and just push him back. Get scruffy if he has to, you know. And build on that. Yeah, I say I spent some time with Pricey on Friday night at the Solly actually. He was he was going mm-hmm. through a, a session at the Solly and he's he's lean, he looks in great shape, far better shape than he was in last year. Um He's walking around with his with his nose in the air, which always seems to be a good time of play. Because sometimes you see Pricey, and he sulks around the city for such a big man. He has yeah, such a small yeah. presence sometimes. Yeah, he's uh, such, yeah. But he's switched on at the moment. He, his chest's out. He seems happy. Uh, he seems confident. Um, but you know, you know him better than anybody. Mm. TC, is it is it a psychological thing with him? So many. He's been with so many pro coaches so far, and they all say the same thing. He's got yeah. he's got all the tools to become world champion, but it's in his head. Do you know what I mean? Was he like that as an amateur? Was he, was he tough to break down no, as an amateur? Like, like, like in this sport, it's like in other sports. You work on them skills, but you're you're putting them skills against someone who's wanting not just only to hit you, but to hurt you as well. So there's that factor to it. However, you've got to get through that. You could break through that. You look at David Price, and he is an athlete. And when he's in top form, I don't like to see him when he comes out and he's at the heaviest David Price has been. When I hear all that about boxers, I just think they're just out of condition as far as I'm concerned. What What's wrong? It doesn't matter if you're a heavyweight, you don't have to make weight. But you've got to be the best you can be. You know, you, you're looking to go 12 rounds in this 12, 3 minutes. It, it, and that, those rounds can be, they're not easy. And some, some of them fights can be really gruelling. Yeah. Having that extra weight on you is no good. If Pricey strips down to a right weight, he cuts up a little bit, that'll speed them up. He won't sacrifice any power because he's got the power there naturally, if, if if you can call it. He can he can actually win this fight. Yeah. He can do big things, David Price. Even at this late, it's not that late for him, because as I say, the current crop of, of of heavyweights now professionally, they certainly don't impress me. Yeah. You know, I mean, not that I want to speak badly of anyone, but the worst heavyweight fight I've seen in the last couple of years was that world title fight with Klitschko and Fury. I mean, people go on, yeah, Fury, give him... And I do give the guy credit. He has beat, you know, who was the, the number the un, one. The unbeatable, yeah. But Jesus Christ. You wouldn't want, you wouldn't you want to go back and watch it again, would you? answer to a young boxer said, hey, here's great boxing you can watch. And then you look at it and then there's kids confused thinking, well, what a load of rubbish that is. <laughs> That's not skillful. Yeah. It's the brawl. Let's just get through it. And David is so much better than that. He can actually... He can move. He can box on the move. He's got a great variety of shots, you know. He can he can just win that technically that fight. Yeah, he can. He really can. I hope so. I hope I know the whole city's behind him as well because, as you say, he's got that lottery chance. Uh, another boxer I want to ask you about is not someone that came through the Solly, but I know a boxer that you uh, worked with mm-hmm. on some international trips. Who for me now is jostling with John Conte for the greatest boxer this city's Ooh. ever produced. Yeah. 
But Tony Bellew, what <sighs> Tony he's achieved Bellew. in his career, looking back now to when you went, did you was it South America you took him to? With yeah, Joe Puerto Rico. And honest to God, I remember when England got in touch and they said you're taking a, a three-man team to Puerto Rico whilst the other team has gone to sunny Melbourne. And I said, yeah, go on, who's the, who's the team? And they, went, and they mentioned Tony Bellew. My heart sank and I thought, we're not going to get on. We're not going to get on. I can't tolerate it. it, it so at this point, was he a two-time champion from the Rotunda? Oh, three-time, yeah. yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and every time we'd see him on the circuit, you know, he, he, it was like, there was always that sort of like that, that Rotunda Salisbury um, sort <laughs> yeah, of like bad, rivalry, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. I never, ever uh, engaged in. And he'll tell you that as well. But I thought, I've got to get to know this. I've got to get to know him better. I've got to put a few squads on before we go out here because this could just be a night. This could just turn out the trip from hell. Yeah. Anyway, I always remember the first night I got... So it was Bellew, Mac- Joe, Joe McNally. McNally and Paul Edwards. Yeah. And um, I got them together. And as they, they warmed up, and uh, Tony was still warming up with Joe. And I said, well, as you were warming up, I said, I'll go through uh, some one-on-one pads with Paul Edwards. Paul Edwards was a little flyweight. I had a, he was... It was just... You can imagine working with a flyweight, it's really fast. Yeah. And um, the next one ready was Tony Bellew. So after I've done about four, five, six rounds with Paul, I said, Okay, Tony said, come in. And uh, so I was just I just coaching him the same way as I coaching Paul Edwards. And I thought, because I said to Tony, I said, What condition are you in? And he went, oh, I'm pretty fit, Tony. I'm, you know, I'm ready to go. And he went after about four rounds, he's, he's puffing. I went, Are you okay? And he went, I don't know what it is. He said, I don't think. I thought, you know, I'm usually all right. And then when I realised, I had to move around like a flyweight. <laughs> so, you know, totally unprofessional to me. And I, this I, went, I, said, I, said, I, said, champion. I said, you know what, Tony? I said, I apologise. I said, I've got you moving around like Paul Edwards. <laughs> and I mean, I still expected, expected the same hand speed, but of course. I wanted them to be a bit more controlled on the feet. And anyway, that broke the ice, actually. And um, and when we actually got on on the trip to uh, South America, I always remember it was, we just had a... a a downfall of snow. It was in the March, and when we were leaving Manchester, and it was great, and you know, a big responsibility taking the, the, the these lads away, you know, and and um, when we got into into Puerto Rico, um, very hostile towards us, to be fair. Yeah. You know, where's the English coming over here? And didn't they have a heavyweight who they fancied to be a oh, bit of a, bit of yeah, a superstar? It, it was like, and it was very humid over there as well. The, the heat that is, it, it was like the high nineties and. You know, and, and Tony wasn't boxing till the next day. He still had to train him. And, but I always remember on the night that he actually boxed um, a very hostile crowd as well. And they'd all come to see their huge heavyweight. Yeah, and, and this was a huge heavyweight. And who had, they had big hopes for, for going to the, uh, the, the upcoming <laughs> Olympics in, in Beijing. And um, it was, it was, <laughs> it comes out and I'm looking and thinking, at least he's got a punch, his chance he can take a punch. But this, this guy thought, he's so huge. Anyway, he went out there. This guy was really controlled, and the crowd was roaring for him. And Bellew just goes in for the right hand, left hook. Or was it left hook, right hand? It was a two punch combination to the head, anyway. <laughs> and he just went down like a tree. And all he heard was boom on the canvas, and it just went quiet. And I thought, we're not getting out of here alive. <laughs> and what seemed like it was only a couple of seconds, but it seemed like minutes. Yeah. He just went into uproar. They're all clapping him. Got to that crowd, they just love to see a knockout. Wow. And as we were walking out afterwards, after, you know, we were coming out in, back to the changing room, they're all patting him on the back, shaking his hands. You know, it was great. It was, it was absolutely brilliant. And um, Did you know then, with, with Bell, you then, did you think, 
this kind of power re- will resonate as a pro. You know, because I think even Bellew himself says he's been around much better boxers throughout his career. When he was an amateur, he was by yeah. far, yeah. he wasn't even close to being the best boxer on any squads or anything else. But he's always had that equaliser power, Tony. Oh, he's had that. Um, what Tony has, and a lot, a lot of champions have, they have a. Uh, they have the right mindset. Yeah, is it, is it, I was trying to say, is it, is it mentality more than anything yeah, else? Yeah, it, it's a champion's mindset that they have. It's not, and that's not to to, to make them sound any elite. It's it, it's it's they've worked for it. It doesn't matter about you know. We all look to see what, what, what style. We look to this textbook style of boxing. It doesn't exist. Mm. You know, so and and Tony Belly wasn't just someone who was just a brawler or anything like that. He could actually box. He could read a fight. In fact, in that 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 period I spent with him. You know, he'd pick up on instruction. You wouldn't have to tell him to be fair. He knew. He knew when he was down. He knew he was up. You know, he, he, I need to do this. Yeah. Why aren't I doing this? What's that? He knew how to read the fight. And it was good. It was, yeah, you, you, when you're working with, with individuals like that, it, they have a winning attitude as well. Yeah. They got, and you can see it. There's no, and even when you're talking to them, there's no nonsense. Did, you know, was, was it that trip? Was that trip the famous lottery ticket trip? Oh, that, <laughs> yeah, they got me back. I mean, I, I this is brilliant. That. This, I can't, I got wait. Bell, you told me this story. I want to hear your side of it as well. What what I think that will come about, they still had to make weight. And um, on the complex where we stayed, it was like, like their Olympic complex, and but it was stuck in the 40s or 50s, it was, it was very ancient. Mm-hmm. And the meals they were feeding us. It was like, no disrespect to the people who, who were running the event, but it was like gruel. Yeah. I was looking at it, thought, we're just going to get, we're, we're going to end up with food poisoning or something. We're going to end up with, with dicky stomachs. Yeah. I said, come on, lads, we're, we're going down to shopping, Mal. Mal. <laughs> anyway, we get down there and they're full of all these diners. And and I said, by the way, I said, you be careful what you're eating. You've got to make weight. Yeah. He's already tight at the waist. And they were three miserable lads walking around anyway. Of course. <laughs> like any boxer is, trying yeah. to, you know, just pre-competition. And anyway, um, but I was starving. Well, I didn't have to make weight. <laughs> so um, I got myself the biggest, juiciest, greasiest burger you could get with the cheese just oozing out of it, caramelised. So you made yourself a target, basically, <laughs> yeah. the three of them. So they're all looking, and I was and looking at what them poor sods were eating, and it was all, you know, count your calories. It was, it was all, it, there was no carbs in it or protein. It was just, it was just enough. It was just better than what they were getting back at yeah. the base. And um, anyway, at this... And I said to them, I went, well, look, I said, you, you just go and have a little look around shopping because Tony Belly wanted to buy some speakers for his MP3 player. He said, I'll have a little look around there. I, 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 I cut off on my own. I got myself a big ice cream sundae. <laughs> and I was just eating it. And who walks around the corner? Only them three, you know. Jesus, that's it. Put it away. Just forgot all about it. Yeah. And later on in the day, um, oh, no, that was on one day. And the box... Uh, Paul and, and Joe were out of the competition by then and um, we still had Tony in the competition. And we went back to Mal. And I said, um, look, I said, we're going down the Mal. I said, I'm going to get ourselves some drinks for when Tony wins this goal tomorrow. We can celebrate with something. Yeah. And he said, all right, Tony, okay, all right. I mean, it's nothing crazy. You know, it wasn't going mad. I said, that's what we're going to do. So I just put, uh, I don't know, any out cheap beer in the in the trolley. And as yeah. we're waiting in the queue, Joe McNally goes, Hey, that's only just got a few lottery tickets here. Do you, do you fancy doing one? I went, Yeah, okay then. So while waiting in the queue, I'm sc- scratching, scratching it. 
match three, you know what I mean? And yeah, match three, and I'm looking, and I'm looking, looking, and I'm thinking, looked at the prize, you know, a couple of hundred thousand dollars. I'm looking at this, and then Joe goes, well, "What did you get, Tommy?" I said, never mind what I got. <laughs> Go away. Look at over my shoulder. Went, Come on, what have you got? I'm not going to take it off yet. Yeah? I says, I won the jackpot, yo. And I said to Paul, I was, in fact, Paul, take that beer back. Go and get the dear stuff. Go and get the good stuff. All right, Tony. He's running getting the beer. And I didn't get onto them laughing. And I'm going, do you know what? This is great, this, lads. This is, never mind about you boxing in the final, Tony. Yeah, scrap the final. Yeah, we're going to have, we're going to have a great, we're going to have an old year now. This is going to be great. <laughs> anyway, as we're waiting in the queue, nothing else to do. I started reading the small print. If you've matched three, tell your mama. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we all like, and I thought, it's crazy. This Where's the phone number? <laughs> You know, and then so I realised the, yeah, the three of them are in bits. The three they're in bits, yeah, laughing. And I still didn't get onto it. I went, I looked at it, I went, ah, oh, to Oaks, Paul, Paul, swap the beer. <laughs> Changed it, just put it back, put it back. We haven't won it. it it's a hoax. And I didn't realise what I should have said is, you know, wow, you know, Joe winding me up, and then the three of them were just in bits laughing. That's hilarious. Yeah, they really got me. Yeah, line of sinker. Absolutely fantastic. Brilliant. Three good lads. You couldn't wish to go away with three funnier lads. Oh, no, I made friends for life with them. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, That's about all we've got time for this week's show, actually. In terms of, so one quick recap. We're looking for school leavers who are carded. Dave, uh, the course starts in September. There's one in Liverpool. There's one in Bolton. There's a couple of others nationwide. Yes. There's over 100 kids. Well, there's 100 kids. There's a cap on it. But you just need to be carded and you just need to finish school with grade four. Yeah, GCSE. Or above, yeah, in, in English and maths. Or above GCSE. And for more information, yeah. visit uh, I've got this here. I've Boxing got my, England. Yeah, and I've also got my uh, Twitter. Perfect. I'll oh, hit Tony on Twitter, yeah. yeah. Very, very up to date. Yeah, and here, it's so. uh, at ace underscore Bolton. There you go. At ace underscore Bolton for more information. You've been listening to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. I'll be back next week. And you know what? I'm going to be singing and dancing from the rooftops <laughs> because David Price is going to cash... A real lottery ticket, not a fake lottery ticket. <laughs> I like as how you brought that by round. Tony Bell, you. I, I like how you brought that round. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Take care. See you Thank soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.